Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elkshade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Elkshade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. What's up today? I'm sitting down with a dude who's awesome. I met him at Elkshade Camp, but then I met him again in the mountains randomly. Dude, help me pack out a bull. We're going to go over that story. Plus, there's some golden nuggets in here on how to be the best version of yourself, how to manage your priorities, how to stay on track, some strength, some conditioning, some faith, some family, all the stuff that I'm into. I hope you dig it. Our guest is Jason, and I can't wait for you guys to get to know this stud. Here we go. Guys, what's up? Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan, the fitness man. Today, I've been looking forward to this one. Last time I saw this guy, basically, I owed him one. We were in Idaho, and he saved my ass from just a packathon. So, Jason Wiesner out of Wisconsin, actually close to Minnesota, but Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Yep. How are you, man? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. So uh, we got a playoff football game tonight that we're heading to right after this. So yeah, dude, you got a you got a cool story I want to get into. You're a strength and conditioning coach at a high school level, former CrossFit gym owner and junkie, strength and conditioning guy through and through, and an elk hunter. So you signed up for Elk Shape Camp in 2022 this year. You came to that camp at uh, Vortex 
Optics HQ Vortex Edge. There was 50 participants there. I'd be lying if I'm like, oh, I remember every person, their name, their last name. No, I remember faces. So I was a little surprised when I pull up to a couple of trucks. I just need to dump my trailer off because the roads are bad and I was camped in a bad spot. I got a bull dead meat hanging and I got to go hike in but I got to get my trailer out because more rain's coming. I pull up, open the door, and this dude's like, oh, hey, Dan from Elk Shape, what's up? And I just immediately get that bad feeling because, like, I that's never been really good if someone, like, recognizes me. So it's you. It's your voice. And uh, let's hear your side of the story because you saved the day. Yeah, so we got there, man, probably 3 in the morning we pulled up, and we kind of noticed that the roads were a little gummy as well. And being from Wisconsin, we don't deal with that or that steep terrain often. So, uh, so we're like, ah, we'll just park here and we'll hit her in the morning. And then we're getting our stuff together and I hear a truck and right away I see, you know, the dirt bikes. I'm like, Oh, sweet. Everybody out here must use dirt bikes. And then I saw the truck and I'm like, damn, that's, that's Dan Staten. And so I yell and the funny, we my brother and I joke about it. Cause I'm like, Hey Dan from Elk shape. And you said, Hey guy, I don't know. <laughs> and so, uh, which I didn't expect you to remember me. I mean, obviously you do all those camps and, uh, and you probably get that a lot. So, uh, but anyway, it was, it was pretty funny. And then obviously we chatted with you and the rest is history there. No doubt, man. Well, you guys, I do want to thank you for those that didn't know, go back, listen to our, uh, September recap episode one. Was it one? I can't remember. It was part two, one. but you released it first because of the whole dirt biking. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's ask our key witness here. And this is to all you on the internet, you know who you are. Uh, I've blocked a ton of you on my Instagram cause you kept putting comments on my Idaho, basically self. I took a picture with the boy I killed that you helped me pack out. I can, hey, Jake, you're gonna have to edit some swear words. I'm pretty heated. Was there any dirt bike trail when you helped me pack that thing out? Zero, zero. You couldn't even take a bike on that trail. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to say anything else. But anyways, yeah, man, like that's part of what I do. That's the part I don't like. And I know there's 80 something thousand seconds in the day. Don't let somebody's 60 seconds ruin the rest of it. I get it. But man, when it comes to discrediting all the hard work that we put in um, and, the, and how I hunt, which is I'm not a great hunter, so I make up it with tremendous effort. Yeah. And that bull died so far from anything. And I just want to thank you guys for helping me. And um, you'll be on the Public Land Hustle. It hasn't dropped yet, but yeah, most of- You got the paper, rock, scissor game on there? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it was- Awesome. Like, obviously, like my brother and I have the CrossFit background and we didn't own the gym. We just both helped run it. We were both the head coach at one point. Um, but regardless, uh, um, the uh, we've always wanted to like we're kind of a glutton for punishment, just like you. And so we've, you know, being from Wisconsin and newer to the elk woods, we have not packed an elk yet. So that was an op. You know, I could just say I packed my first my first elk with with Dan Staten. So that's uh, I'm all about that. Mm, and it was really cool. You guys, we we literally got all that elk out in one trip. So it's not like I'm here's here's the background for those that seem so um, people seem so interested into why did I ask for help? Because um, Jake helped me on. Well, he filmed the first bull I killed. So obviously he's going to help. And then the third bull in Montana, not too long after I met you, um, I called him and he, I'm like, Hey, I got one down. Do you want, do you want to come help? And he's like, yes. And it's just kind of our handshake deal. We're like, we'll drop whatever we're doing to help each other. I just haven't had a chance to scratch his back. But man, when you guys helped me out, I had been gone since August 28th. 
Mm-hmm. It was September 17th. I hadn't seen my children's faces and I was already kind of doing the math. And I was like, okay, I got 16 hours of packing. The roads are going to get worse. I'll probably will be here for two more days. Uh, but when you guys helped me, I was just like, praise God. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be able to tuck my kids in bed tonight. I don't know how big a deal that is to some people, but I know you and me like as fathers and you haven't done that for almost a month. You guys literally, thank you so much, man. Sincerely. Yeah, no problem, man. And like I said, uh, that's just how we are. Uh, like I said, we would do that. Uh, I wouldn't say for anyone, but you know, it's, uh, I was glad to help honestly. What happened after I left? So when we got to the bull that I killed and there was all the quarters left, I had only gotten a hind quarter all the way out and some loose meat halfway out basically. And, um, I had told you guys on the way up, I'm like, Hey, the bull I killed had like six cows. After I shot him, they kind of bumped up into the head end of those cliffs and basin in there. I don't think they're going anywhere. And sure enough, when we're like getting the meat load in our packs, I don't know who, maybe it was you, somebody spotted at least a five point up there scooping those cows up the next day. And I think your plan that night after we got back to the truck was to go get after it. So I'm excited. I'm Jonesing. Tell me what happened. It was awesome. Like I said, just a little background for me is my fifth elk season. And previously it's all been in Colorado and we've had some, we've gotten to some elk, but uh, we hadn't uh, like not a lot of opportunities really. So, you know, you can learn all the things, you know, through elk shape and, you know, what everybody writes, but like, in, unless you're actually putting it to use, I've found that it's like the learning curve still there, obviously. So, um, this, the coolest thing about this trip is that we're in so much elk, but we're in elk almost every day. So I got to experiment experience and actually like put things to use. So it was so awesome. But we went up that Ridge, like you told us, and it was actually funny uh, you know, you're like a, just a wizard on Onyx and you like, put like I, there's a blind here. That blind was like, I kid you not like 10 steps away from where you put it on Onyx. So it was, it was kind of funny, but we got in there. Uh, there was one bugling at us and, uh, we never, we never got to see it. Um, and in hindsight, we just weren't aggressive enough. It was bugling and we should have just went after it, but we were like, Oh, I just didn't want to mess it up. So we kind of, but it was awesome. Cause like I said, day one, we're in, we see you, we pack out an elk, we see more elk and then we get into the elk. So that night we come back and, uh, my- wait a second. Was that bull that was bugling? W- did you go past that little brush blind that somebody built and kind of, was it off to like, if you're going up that finger, was it on the left-hand side? It was exactly where you put that. You thought yep. he'd be bedded. It was right yep. in that area. And that was ended up being kind of a hot spot the next, the, over the whole week there, we had uh, quite a bit going on in that area. Um, but, uh, so the big thing for us, for me this year, was uh, every time you say, you know, people are getting out a little too late or they're hunting back to the, you know, the the camp, that's, I'm guilty of that, have been guilty of that. So this summer I started, you know, my rucks, even in Wisconsin, I did at least one a week in the dark. And then uh, my goal this year was to just be in the woods, you know, early and late. So every night we, uh, I think except for one night, we were back, uh, I mean, well after dark. So we were out there, you know, listening to bugles, doing our thing. Um, so we came off mountain, still super optimistic. The next day we jetted up that little fork that you said no one ever went up. And uh, and just and there was just a bugle fest going on. There was a real nice six point, you know, about a thousand yards off to our left. And then that, you know, that big group of elk with that giant up to the right. And, you know, they're just going wild back and forth at each other. And the one down to the left, we actually called him Chuckle, uh, Chuck because he was the only bull that just chuckled constantly. And it was super cool because I've not experienced that in the elk woods before. So they're, uh, again, those were, they're real far away. And again, the thing I learned there is just don't wait around, just make a move. 
uh because we were like wait until we could see what was going on and then it's too late um so uh so that but it was cool to see and actually because uh where we've been in colorado is a lot like what sounds like north idaho where you're not you don't get a lot of space to look you know so to actually see them in their environment was a lot of fun um and then the next day hey was i got a question about chuck is chuck got his own cows is he pushing cows or is he just spectating he was had his own so the day first day we saw him he had probably eight or ten and he was pushing off another little uh satellite bowl like a little five by five he was pushing off and he was like not happy camper uh, and so the next day we came up same spot um got up there a little bit earlier and it was funny like we got up there and i mean it's like two hours before dark we're up there and you know exactly what that climb was like uh, it's just like wake up thousand feet of vertical and then sit around for a little bit it's like a thousand less than a mile and try not to sweat and man it gets you up there quick but then it's almost like in my opinion it gets you to that little first saddle to where it's almost not a good idea to get there in the dark because there's a good chance you're gonna like booger elk yeah it's and that's kind of what happened we got up there that second day and i got up there and uh we were just you know getting our game plan dialed in and i heard some like uh, you know how rocky it is over there and it was for sure an elk for sure within 30 yards rocky you can hear it and then like 10 minutes later like a little kind of half-assed bugle uh within 100 yards so we know something was there uh still ended up being you know chuck didn't come out where we thought he would be so then we uh we heard we heard something chuckling up above by that other herd the big herd saying that herd was there every single day and then um you know, they're up, I mean, probably a thousand yards away in open sage. So you're kind of like, well, it's cool to watch them, but what are you going to do? And so we're like deciding what we're going to do here. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Chuck comes down with four cows, pushes right through the saddle that we're in like 150 yards away, stopping, chuckling. You can hear him glunking. You can hear like the whole show. And so we're like, we're going to make a move on this thing. So we dropped down the backside and I mean, all out, like Jesse, my brother was joking. Uh, it reminds us like Lord of the Rings when they're running down the mountains and we're just like running down the mountainside and then running up the other side of the mountain and um, and try to cut him off because he was going the same spot he was yesterday. But just the the big thing with that was the um, we heard a bugle again. So we thought he was coming down the drainage, but it was just uh, he. So we kind of misjudged and then we were about 90 yards away and then we never got back on him that that morning. So we still tracked him up that mountainside sat down and ate and then we heard him bugle again and so then we're like oh man so we ate and we we probably put on like 13 or 14 miles we went all the way back to the uh all the way around to the it was the other side of the mountain that you killed your bull on and uh i was like this is where i had a lot of fun we didn't we didn't get a shot opportunity but i was looking at the topography and i was like I, this is where you should be and so we went over uh and uh, i was the middle of the day and i was like i wasn't feeling you know i'm not you know, I'm not dirt by any means. So I wasn't like going to just jump in there and midday madness it quite yet. So we just um, relaxed a little bit. And then a little later in the day, we got up and we started down the ridge and they were almost right where I thought they were, but they were a little they were on the other side of the, the saddle that I'd seen. And so I spooked two cows and the instant I spooked them, this bull goes off again and chuckles. And I'm like, dude, so I was feeling good about that. And then we got down in that drainage and the drainage was perfect. It was like a uh, little spoon drainage where the wind, the thermals should have been perfect, but because of the way the actual wind was going, it was just a tornado in there. And I'm like, oh, this is why you're hanging out in here. But uh, we had them going. Uh, I mean, I was probably, it was thick in there, probably within 50 yards. And uh, and then the wind shifted again. And then I saw another saddle. I'm like, this is the only way he's getting out of here. So we huffed it out of that. 
all the way around to the next saddle, got on them one more time. And so I was just super, for me, that was a huge win because I felt like I actually knew what they were doing, which in the previous years, you know, although I have consumed a lot, not a lot of knowledge, I don't have hardly any experience. So I was like a, a huge feather in my cap to actually like chase a big bull all day long and actually, uh, and actually make some of the right guesses. Man, that's, that's heavy right there. Like, I'm so stoked for having you on because you are like a, like a, like a, the example of a guy who does not live by mountains, <clears throat> really doesn't have the autonomy to go, mm, I'm going to hunt all September. I'm going to go to three States. That's not you. Um, but what it is, is like you, you, this is your fifth season yep. and you're cutting your teeth on public land. Experience is, is huge, but here's the cool thing, man. I don't think Elk's behavior varies by a lot of degrees. I think generally speaking, regardless of where you're hunting them, private or public, state by state, they have those tendencies where it looks like you're starting to kind of peel back the layers. Yeah, yeah. And then you can kind of start to figure out when they're going to zig or zag. And I'm telling you that like that's what crushes the elk hunting learning curve is when you know what they're going to do before they do it. Uh, give us more examples like this, like you've been like continue on, but really highlight where you thought the elk were going to do something and they did it. And it just was kind of like another feather in your cap where you're like, okay, the pieces to this puzzle are coming together. Yeah. So, uh, there was a couple days in there where we weren't on elk. Uh, like we didn't get, like, didn't hear a lot, but, uh, as you know, in that little, uh, that little area, there's quite a bit of people there. It was pretty like, it wasn't called my experience with Colorado, but also Colorado, there's no, you know, there's not you know, millions of acres of sage outside of this like little mountain range. It's a lot of, a lot of woods to be hunting. So um, it seems like it's more dispersed in Colorado, if that makes sense here. It seemed like it was like, everybody's on the same mountain. <laughs> Dude, that was definitely my observation. I almost left that area um, the day before I killed. I was like, I can't take like, had a couple of sweet days when no one was there. And I mean like nobody, dude, I, when I first got there, nobody, it was incredible. I was sleeping in the backcountry in a spike camp, but then I came out and it was a weekend and it must've been, I don't know, the weekend before the middle of the month. And I was like, oh, there's 10 new camps. And then I swear to you, I swear to you, when I packed out my first load of that elk that night, I came to the trailhead in the dark. I hung my elk quarter at the trailhead and I still had to go hike another mile to my truck. There was 10 new camps and I didn't even know, like, I'm like, where are you guys going to hunt? This is so, it's such a bottlenecked area. So if I was e-scouting that area, I would immediately be turned off or have like a, a button, emergency button to hit. As soon as the pressure picked up a little, I'm out of there just because there's just not a lot of real estate. No, it, there isn't. I mean, and it kind of like one night we were, uh, we went back to that. We actually sat at that blind. So we, we weren't on anything that morning. So we're like, tonight we're going back to that blind. Uh, and we just sat there for a little bit and ended up starting raining out. As soon as it started raining out, you know, anybody that's been in the mountains knows what the thunder sounds like, but it's funny because that thunder would go. And then there's three separate bowls that would just pipe off. Cause we're like, what are they doing? Thunderstorms? Like, I don't know. You know, like, is it like, I like, we just have no experience with it. So, um, so, and it felt like they were coming like they were just converging on us a little bit, but then they never actually came in. Uh, but I left, I came out to, uh, to go after one. And then I'm like, dude, based off the wind, I'm going to go back this way. Anyway, we never saw anything, but then we ran into a group of hunters. And then when we came off the Ridge. We're just like, he's like, well, we're planning on going back on this side of the Ridge. And they're camped at that. They were actually camping in, in that, um, at the trailhead there. Um, and so they went off the other side of the Ridge and we actually, they kicked three bulls to us. 
So we're coming off the mountain, it's pouring out. And I look up and 50 yards away is a nice five point. And then, uh, so I like sprint up, you know, knock an arrow, sprint up behind this tree. I see his butt. I'm like, dude, this is going to happen. And then as I come out around the other side of the tree, a giant six is like staring at me right in front of him. And I'm like, and it says him, a spike and a, and a five point. But it was, for me, that's the closest I've been to uh, like a big bull. So it was awesome, but it just, it would have been nice to get to draw back at least on him. Um, but that was, that was a lot of fun that night, except for the part uh, coming off mountains when it's raining out. That's always a blast. Here at Elk Shape, we're very picky on who we decide to partner with. We take our brand very serious. And if we have a partner, we want to brag about them because we believe in them. Numa Outdoors, that's the clothing we wear. Discount code ELKSHAPE20 will take 20% off your first order. Vortex Optics, Vortex Nation, proud partner since 2010. On X Hunt, become an elite member. This is the most reliable app for hunting on the market. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 20% off your elite membership. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. They've been in business since 1902. Matthews Archery, a brand that not only has the same shared values, but continues to push technology and making the best bows on planet Earth. MagView, this is the digiscoping solution that simplifies the entire process. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 10% off. Wilderness Athlete, this brand makes supplements, does not specialize in marketing. They specialize in making you better and recover and being healthier. Discount code ELKSHAPE22 will take 30% off your first purchase. Spy Point Trail Cameras, Trail Camology. Trail cams are an extremely useful tool to help you scout figure out game densities and understand animal behavior and they make very reliable trail cameras that you can count on kafaru international the hoodlum is my all-time favorite backpack for elk hunting i don't even know how many elk i've packed out with that pack but i always can count on it the frame is in a league of its own and aaron snyder is running a phenomenal company that we believe in Crispy boots, crispy USA, crispy hunting. These boots are the best bang for your buck. Minimal break-in period. Lots of flex ratings to suit your style and terrain that you hunt in. Check out a crispy dealer near you. Baku e-bikes out of Ogden, Utah. E-bikes made for hunters, by hunters. Use them where legal. It's efficient, quiet, and exhaust-free way to get in and get out of your tree stand or your hunting location. Black Rifle Coffee Company, coffee is life. And this is a veteran-owned Pro 2A company. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 15% off. BlackOvis.com is where I do all my shopping, and I use my own discount code, which is ELKSHAPE. It takes 10% off. Fast and free shipping, a vast variety, and great customer service. Sheep Feet Orthotics for the Hunter. Put these in your boot and elevate your game. Leak less energy, prevent injury, and hunt more efficiently. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 10% off. TheElkCollective.com. Digital elk hunting education, video driven. Enter the discount code ELKSHAPE podcast, all one word, to save a few bucks and get to learning. Fatty meat sticks from Smokewood. These are my go-to snacks when hunting protein and fat great energy sources super convenient delicious you can find them at any convenience store near you marsupial out of arizona they make the best bino packs period handcrafted here in the usa and we stand behind them well based on your description 
I think I've seen that six point. That that six point's the one that I didn't get a shot on. I was fiddle farting around with my setup and trying to he came in at I think about 12, 13 yards and stopped and saw me. And he is like the most beautiful six point. I don't think he's a 350 bull, but I just think he's like an exceptionally symmetrical white ivory tip. And he was it was like literally downpour and hail, and he was just like bebopping. And then I did see a spike minutes later, never did see a five. I wonder if that's the cohort, same cohort of bulls. Probably. And then the next day, those guys actually killed that five. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the guy's next to me and that guy, he'd, uh, he'd been hunting. That was his fifth year hunting too. And his first time he ever shot an elk. So awesome. That was cool. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I am trying to think some more, you know, there's a lot like little things every day where, you know, it was just like, you know, where to be. And that's the big thing um, for me, even like a question that I had for you today is like, what are you you know, in this area where you're not, where, you know, like bugling isn't necessarily the way to go. Uh, you can't really road, you know, bugle, you know, you can't night bugle from a road really um, at all uh, because of the, you know, the roads are all in the sage. Uh, and so what are you doing if you don't have, if you don't have a bull that next morning, like what are, what's, what's Dan doing then? The, so I can, this is an interesting conversation. Cause I, I, I can literally speak to where you were. Yep. The reason why I was like almost packed up is because of the hunting pressure and the bottleneck. And so my plan was to pack up camp. Now, when do you think I would pack up camp during the day when you can actually hunt? No. Yeah, exactly. I'm only going to reserve things that don't involve killing an elk for nighttime, even if that means sacrificing sleep. So I don't know if you ever looked where I met you guys were at the trucks where we first met. If you were to just completely look that way, completely opposite of where you probably hunted. Yeah, so the other across all of the yeah. open. I didn't see anyone hunting that. I know 100% certainty there are elk over there. I glassed a few with my spotting scope. I think there's even less roads over there. And I do think there's a couple access points that can get you high, and then you got to walk a long ways. I My first stop in that scenario was I was going to go drive around, park, and I was going to hike high and night bugle at night and just stay on the ridge. And I did the math. It was like four and a half miles that I could go one way. And so if I were to do that at night, I mean, that's a, that's a massive commitment. Um, I, if I probably went one mile and got three bulls to answer, I would 180 and be like, sweet, I'll be back here in the morning. If I had to go the entire four-mile stretch, I would. But what if I didn't hear anything? good chance I'm getting back to my truck and I'm going to keep moving on and X that off the map. And if I go four miles, this is really important, I think, and I get several bulls to answer at mile marker four, and I don't have the necessary stuff to just stay the night right there on the mountain, I might go back to my truck and sleep my ass in and then get up at like 7.30 or 8 and go get them to locate from their beds or whatever and spend the rest of the day well rested and hunt effectively. But that was my second plan was to hit that. My third plan was to come down further towards the main valley, probably the way you guys drove in, and there was some um, there was some really good ag country in there, and I could see game trails, and I knew there was public in the backside. I assume there's hunting pressure there, but I didn't know for sure. I was like, I wanted to spend an evening or a morning or even the first hour before it gets daylight. Mm-hmm sound checking that because a lot of those elk particularly in idaho that do come off the mountains to ag in the valleys they're trained they're leaving those pivots in the dark they know better um so 
that's why I wouldn't wait, like wait for daylight to glass the pivot. That means nothing to me. But if I can hear bugles an hour before daylight and then it gets light and they're not there, I still know that they were there. And then I'm going to start reverse engineering a way to intercept them. My fourth plan was to come around to the Creek that you said that we're going to edit out. And I was going to not, I was going to backpack in there because we did ride that trail in the summer and scouted it and is a level 10. I, I walked in, I was like, who the heck is riding there? Idiots like me and Jake that, uh, Jake got, I mean, that's why Jake's season got cut short, you know? So it's, um, not worth riding, but, um, that was my fourth plan. And then my fifth plan. And yes, I have that many plans was to go back to old haunts basically on the other side of the range. Um, where last year I'd been and, and get after that. But um, I was this close to, to leaving. Now, the day I did kill, I decided to go check out, you know where I killed. I had not been in that timber country, but I'd, all, I'd been doing ambush hunting all the way up to that point. No bugling, all ambush, all get in front of the elk. And it was working until there was more hunting pressure. Then the elk became very unpredictable. And so that's when I, you literally caught me going into the timber because I had to get away from hunting pressure. And then I busted out the bugle too. But I did have all those plans. See all those plans I listed? That's what you gotta do is you really do need to have more plans than you need because isn't that, what's that old saying? It's better to have and not need than to need and not have. Yeah, and that's definitely an opportunity for my for me to up my game for sure is I've noticed this year was just, uh, even though we we're in it, just to even get like more dialed there. And especially, you know, like, you know, like Mark lives say, obviously uh, I don't, I don't need to be on his level, but especially being a Midwesterner, it's like, I have to, I need that to be my strong point. Um, and that's, and just every year I go out and I need, I know I need more and more of that. So, well, you guys did good. I mean, you had basically you and your brother, uh, a cousin and a friend, How, who, who were the tag holders? It was you and myself and my cousin. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so your cousin and Eric. Yep. They went Eric is my with, cousin. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. Right. Yeah, they were in, I mean, they saw some, like they saw hundreds of elk and they went to that other spot and they spent the whole time over there. Um, and, but again, just never got, well, I, I shouldn't say they never got close. It sounded like they had some close encounters, just weren't able to get the deal done. Um, like you said, over there's the, you know, those that, you know, that big, big one was rolling around over there for a reason. Um, so, uh, but, and I actually went back. Oh man, it's probably two October 15th. I went back for the muzzleloader season by myself with my bow to try to kill a cow. And, and I spent the whole time over there and saw a lot of cows. Um, but that's leads to my next question is like, so you glass up, if you glass up, let's say like when are, when do you like typically when are they bedding down? You know what I mean? Like if I glass up a bull at let's say 8 30 AM, are they going to keep trucking from there? Or are they typically getting ready to bed down or don't talk every October or September, September. Okay. Yeah. yeah, um it's tough to say like he should be pretty close to bedding in my opinion. Depends on the weather, depends on cow squirting, but let's just like generally speaking, yeah man, he's close to his bedroom for sure, especially over there like man, I never got into bugle fest like you're like you're talking about. Yeah, it was crazy for I never I never experienced that. I don't know if we just missed it or whatever. But, I mean, I heard bulls bugling in the morning, but there was no fighting. There was no like I want to kill you. Um, no all day bugle fest. So eight thirty in the morning is the bull by himself or does he have cows? Uh, they have cows. Yeah. You know, they're probably going to feed for another hour and a half slowly, but he's got to be well within his spot. Uh, there was that one herd that I wasted all those days on, as you call it with the big bull. Yes. By the way, I wonder if anyone's killed him yet. I don't think so. 
I doubt it. I doubt it. But if they did, I'd love to see pictures. But like that herd historically didn't bed till 10 to 11. And one day I hunted them in the rain and they never bedded, which is like, I don't know if I've ever said that in a sentence, but like I literally coyoted them all day. It's going to be in the public land hustle series. And I finally caught up to them at four o'clock. And it wasn't like, like I literally, the only time I wasn't walking is when I had to like actually stop and put a tarp on because it was raining so hard. But then I would like, I would be able to like pick their tracks up right away and they're still on their feet. And it was like four o'clock and they had never bedded. They just had gone 12 miles. That's the exception. But I think most elk are going to be dependent on moon phase, hunting pressure, uh, estrus cycles, and just random things that we can't even consider. It's just 8 to 10 a.m. They're, they're usually pretty much, yeah, it's a priority to lay down and get some shade. No, that makes sense. Do you then, same thing on that, would you expect to see like similar patterns day after day or is that changing? I don't think the elk are going to be like a, that patternable. Yep. But they're going to have tendencies. I, I observed like on that big herd, I observed a couple of pinch points that no matter which way they wanted to bed, they were going to go through at least one of them. And to me, that's an odds multiplier where you're like, okay, I have, you know, there's three doors if I cover one of them, I have a 33% chance if the wind's true. Whereas, and then they had a, I would say there was only two places that they would funnel out of, depending on where they bedded. They had two places where they were going to come out of, which then makes like 50-50, which I selected to hunt them one night like that. And I picked the right door. Turns out where I set up, the wind swirled a little bit. And that's all she wrote. So ambushing elk in that kind of terrain it's extremely difficult. I literally, if I would, if I were to go back to that area, which I probably won't, I would probably bring tree stands. And I hate to say that, but I would get off the ground and I would probably ambush from an elevated position. I found several tree stands when I was hunting there. And I think they're all local guys who know what's up. Yeah. The last day we were there, we ran into four guys from like Boise area. And uh, I was telling them how they were like bugling more than I've ever heard. And he goes, the one guy's like, that's interesting. They call this the ghost herd because they don't like, they do not say they don't talk. So it's uh, just interesting <laughs> or the silent herd is what they called it. And so it's like, uh, so it's just interesting to hear that from locals. Um, but they had some good insight as well. They said they're like where you shot your bull further that direction is some good hunting over there. That's some nasty country, man. Um, if I were to go back, I'm bringing my dad and I'm bringing his horses Oh, really? um, yeah, hundred percent. Just cause, so when I'm, the reason why I like help packing, getting help, getting elk out fast is because one, to get the meat out, obviously. But number two, I usually have a couple other elk tags. So if I'm, if I'm not packing, I'm hunting and I just want to hunt. Like to me, September's an AMRAP. As many reps as possible. I just can't, I'm like a elk crack addict. Literally it's AMRAP, my man. Next as many bulls as possible it's that's what's up man and i'm just trying to get my next bump and it's like where can i get a next and uh yeah uh that's why but my dad's horses are huge huge advantage for that kind of country um but man that is definitely you picked a level i'd say level 10 area to elk hunt um yeah that made me feel good when you said that because i'm like you know like i pride myself i'm not quite in your shape but uh pride myself on my conditioning and uh, it was, although we did just fine out there, I was like, man, this is pretty, <laughs> this is pretty steep country out here. So how many days were you guys hunting? Uh, I think we, we hunted seven. What did you weigh when you got off the mountain? Oh, dude, I, 
like one. So I went in probably weighing two Oh five and came back weighing like one ninety three or four. Yeah. And I was eating like a horse out there. <laughs> so yeah. it, was pretty, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty interesting. That's partly why I said that area is a level 10 is just to be honest, like my tracker doesn't lie. Like I was averaging 12 miles a day and it wasn't like I was chasing bugles. It was just like, it's just that big a country. And it was always, always 1500 vertical buy-in just to get somewhere decent. Um, I probably weighed close to as close to one thirties as I've, I mean, I don't even remember the last time I weighed that light. I mean, I came back the littlest I've ever been after that one. And, um, and I was eating everything too, man. It's just, uh, but fortunately for me, I'm, uh, starting to get soft again in a good way and to uh, get some weight back on. Uh, let's talk about strength and conditioning a little bit because that is your background. Tell everybody what your day job is. I think it's the coolest job ever. Uh, strength and conditioning coach at a high school. And I've been, you know, that's when I originally got into the fitness industry. That's what I did. But what always got me away from it was, as you know, uh, it's always, you know, 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. It's so it's like, you know, not super favorable for a hunter or for a father. Um, so uh, but this job that I kind of almost you know stumbled into this summer is I'm contracted like a teacher. So I work 730, 330 and the strength and conditioning is built in like a class. So if you're in a sport, you're automatically enrolled into my class. Uh, it's 90 minute blocks. So plenty of time to get in workouts. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, talk to me about your programming. So let's just talk football players. First and foremost, I can, um, you get them for 90 minutes. You got, you got your in season, your off season. Like, how are you periodizing for the boys? So the biggest thing right now, uh, and then, so the summer, so the biggest thing coming in blind is I just ran a general strength and conditioning program. I, you know, my, my idea, uh, you know, my vision going forward as I get to know the children, the kids and, you know, my structure there is having individualized sport tracks or, I mean, at that age, it's one of those things where it's like individualized sports tracks sounds awesome, but you know, they all need the same thing, uh, except for like, maybe have some accessory work for, you know, like pitchers and quarterbacks and stuff like that. And like different accessory work for the linemen versus, you know, versus my, hurdlers uh but other than that they all need a pretty much the same thing um so uh so i'm running one program the only difference between in season and out of season right now is the volume volume intensity is really the only thing that i'm changing right now um and again that's partially because i'm still getting used to the the one thing with the structure it's nice having during the day but it's not like i get all football players at first hour all volleyball at second it's like first hours you know, could be anywhere from, uh, you know, a freshman to a senior, and it could be, you know, uh, you know, all conference linebacker and a freshman that can't even touch his toes. So it's, uh, so, so pretty general right now, um, really working on motor control, quality movement, and then slowly dripping in. Cause I'm like you, uh, I, I love the Olympic lifts. Uh, are they necessary for, you know, sport? Not, maybe not. Some people would say, but I love them and it's what I do. So I'm stick with, I'm going to stick to what I do. And so we're just starting to get into the clean, which I'm super excited about. So I've been like, I mean, I'm talking back in June, slow dripping, like med ball cleans, kettlebell swings, jump land drills, like all of this to finally now, like we just started loading a clean pull. <laughs> um, and that's been the hardest part for me is being patient for the kids so that I know that I'm setting up for success. Uh, but it has been a lot, just so much fun. It's revived my interest even in the field so just i found myself like just watching you know just consuming more information and getting more uh, get, getting more knowledge for them um it's been just a lot of fun 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Mm, man, I don't know if you've stopped to smell the roses, but like. Do you understand the gravity of influence you have on these kids' lives? Do you, does you, I mean, not to add pressure, but I'm going to. Like, literally, have you stopped to think about how influential you're going to be on these kids' lives? Yeah, and that's the big thing, man. It's like, it's funny to think about. It kind of gives me the chills to talk about. Is my wife and I, when I first met her, I come from a family with, like, not a lot of money at all. Uh, I have a twin brother, as you can see, older brother, younger sister. Um only one of us has met our dad. So it's like just single, single income family for the most part. Um, and then, um, and uh, so when I got into it, my history teacher who, you know, God bless him, but he was this old like power lifter guy. And so we were doing like, you know, five day splits as 14 year olds, four hours, just leg days. And I see how like, I got so strong from that, but also like so stiff and slow from that. <laughs> and so, uh, so like, uh, and I see that in these guys, but uh, when I met my wife, I was like, what I, the reason I want to be a trainer is so that I can help kids like me. You know, I've, I've been in the private sector. I've trained kids, you know, for over a hundred dollars an hour. Uh, and, but like, not everybody can do that. Right. Um, and so uh, when I got this job, it actually was a pay cut for the last, you know, like you say, chasing time for the last, since my daughter's been born, I've been working less than 10 hours a week. So like, you know, I've got like clients pay, paying a premium but working less than 10 hours a week and taking care of my children and doing a lot of elk hunting <laughs> as much as I can do. Right. Um, in Wisconsin. Uh, but when I took this, I just felt like I had to, like, it was like to make a difference in the world. Like is, you know, some people may think that sounds corny, but like it was my calling and, um, and it's been awesome. Like I, like every minute of it. And I, like I said, I talk a lot about, you know, obviously I love, I love the strength and conditioning portion. So I already in this like four months I've been there, you know, like, all we, we always talk about, we'll go hashtag gains and we, you know, so we do this and flex our muscles. And uh, so it's like making strong, cool, especially for adolescent females. Um, especially being, especially Amen. being a girl dad. It's like all these girls are like, they don't want to do something because they, you know, the boys are watching. I was like, dude, I just like, I just want you to know that my, my girl is going to be proud to be strong and she's going to flex her muscles everywhere she goes. <laughs> um, But uh, that, and I do a lot of work on, like my, my career's taken me from strength and conditioning, CrossFit, uh, and a lot of, even into the holistic realm, um, you know, like Paul check and the such, uh, and, and things like that. And so it's a lot about mindset and that conversation you're having in your head and starting there, you know, like, you know, like what are the things you're saying to yourself when you look in the mirror, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter what so-and-so said or what somebody posted about you on the internet. What are you saying to you when you look in the mirror? Um, cause that's all that matters. And 
And sadly, whether you're 15 or 50, the person saying the worst thing is typically the one looking right back at you. Um, and so really talking about that and then really talking about goal setting, not like, you know, not like in school, how it's always like, you know, like it's super like just generic, but really understanding that why, or like for me, uh, what drives me now that I'm not in athletics is elk hunting. So like, you know, like, and then that's partially thanks to you is just finding that North star that keeps you eating, right. Keeps you, get you out of bed when you don't want to do the thing, uh, you know, helps, you know, like when you, when you think you want to go do this one thing, but you're like, uh, I need to spend time with family. Not that you don't want to, we all know that, but they're always torn. Right. Um, so that North star always keeps you, even if you get off path, it always brings you back and really understanding that. And then also ironic that I'm in a public school, but just really telling these kids, like, you know, kind of like you say, like, you got, got a, a master's in exercise science. And it's like, you know, like you've probably learned exponentially more and more, um, relevant information running a business for five years <laughs> you know what i mean so i'm like you want to you want to be a personal trainer don't go get your exercise exercise science degree go find a personal trainer and say can i just like be your assistant for six months for free and see if you like it you want to be in construction go find somebody building a building and see if you like it don't put all of your eggs in this bas basket or climb this ladder only to realize you're on the wrong damn building and so um so I talk a lot about that stuff and not feeling, not worrying about the pressure to just go to school to go to school. So then you're like stuck with a hundred thousand dollars credit card debt or uh, not credit card debt, but student loan debt. And then you're like, oh, but I hate my life and I work nine to five and I have, you know what I mean? Like all these things. So that's what I really, the mental fitness or the mental gains as I talk about the brain gains and the, and the muscle gains. So I'm so excited that <clears throat> you're excited. I love that you have, I mean, I just don't know a lot of high schools that hire out a, like a dedicated strength and conditioning coach and allow 90 minutes. I mean, it's just exciting to, to realize that you're going to actually build a, like an actual program where like you'll have your systems in place, your progressions in place, and you guys are going to crush the all, like the leaderboards are going to get smashed and you're going to create new ones. And, uh, that's exciting for me. Um, Let's talk about, so we've talked about elk hunting. We know that you're super stoked about it. We know that you're due to kill something. I want to finish on elk hunting. I want to talk about faith, family, finances, that kind of stuff. And then we'll call it a podcast. So when it comes to 2023, like I'm psycho, I'm already trying to figure out next year's program. Um, I already kind of alluded. I'm probably not going to go back to where I met you, but, um, I definitely liked it. It was just, um, that's a, this is a tough place to get it done. Um, What's your plans for 2023? What are you scheming? Uh, so I'm, as you know, the new new changes with Montana. I have to apply this year in Montana or I lose my points. So hoping for the Montana tag. Um, and if not, uh, I, I would for sure go back there. Like I said, I've been to Colorado four times. I love it. It's beautiful, um, but it's been inconsistent, even though I do feel like I have leveled up in the e-scouting and in the elk hunting in general. Um, I am drawn to kill one over the counter in Colorado. Like I just like, it's something that I will do <laughs> just cause I have to now. Um, but I think I would go back there just to, you know, I know the area and uh, if I could, cause you know, although it's over the counter, it's not necessarily promised. Um, so I would go, that would be an option. Um, but yeah, go back. And the biggest thing that I'm learning is like even seven days is like, yeah, can you get it done in seven days? Yeah. But you know, it, it takes a little bit long, you know, 10 days, I would say is almost minimum for if you really want to get it done based off everything that I've 
read, listened to, and now experienced like the seven day hunts been my longest. And in, you know, looking back, you know, hindsight's 2020, but that's probably the one reason I haven't killed it uh, killed yet is that I've been doing five and seven day hunts, um, is being out of state. And you're going to new places where not that going back to the same place guarantees anything. Cause I know it does it, but you are definitely adding a degree of figuring out, sorting it out that it's tough. Yeah. Super tough. Okay. That's, that's, cool. that's the plan. And I'm getting, you know, again, everything's changing. It's becoming popular, which again is a double-edged sword for us already elk hunters, but I'm grateful for people like you. Cause I just wouldn't be where I'm at without you. Um, and it's like, it's given me in my, you know, I just turned 34 and it's just given me a lot of purpose in my life. Just elk hunting has. So I, I mean, I imagine I'm not the only one that feels that way. So I know there are people that, that may criticize, you know, what you do, uh, you know, giving away the secrets, if you will. Um, but, uh, but I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so with the increased demand with the tags, I'd like to get to Wyoming. I think I've got, I'll have four points this year, but I imagine I'll probably need by the time I, it'll probably be six points before I draw, I would imagine. Um, but this year will be the first year that I'm, I'm going to take advantage of the hunting fools. So I'm going to get on the phone with them and kind of see what they think and make sure I have my next few years planned out. Um, but my biggest change that I'll make this year is going to be again, Montana's number one, uh, where we met number two. And then, um, worst case scenario, I will go to, I will go to, uh, Colorado and it'll be no matter what, it's just gonna be a 10 day hunt. And to be honest, this year I was going to do a 10 day hunt, but with the new job, school started a week. September's when school starts this next year, I'll have no problem, uh, stepping away. And the cool thing is, is I'm able to, there's not a lot of opportunities for, um, college internships for strength and conditioning. So right now I've got a, a local, a local college student that's been helping me. And then I'm going to plan on having one every semester. So it's like kind of helping all levels, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, so that's the plan for next year's just be out there longer and then just continue to, uh, you know, just like I said, be more like Dan, like what, what would Dan do? You know, just like always running, uh, just always having a plan. Cause that's the one thing I noticed if like, you know, you might have plan a and B, but when that's done, you're kind of stuck there twiddling your thumbs. And when you're in the middle of, you know, it's 70 degrees and nothing's, nothing's bugling and you're not seeing anything. It's hard to, it's, it's hard to even know what to do, you know, like just hike or, you know, wait until it gets, you know, you know what I mean? Like that's where I struggle the most is probably like when you don't have that plan, you know, C, D and E, what are you doing during the middle of the day and filling that space is that's my biggest opportunity for growth for next year. Yep. I like your plan, man. Um, and also whatever intern out there is listening and you're going to be running the show while Jason's elk hunting, dude, what an opportunity. Do not squander that. You're going to be running the freaking show. Yeah. It's super cool. And I like, obviously my intern doesn't get paid, but I bought her a, I bought her a pair of Lulu leggings to, for as appreciation for my September getaway. That's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, faith in uh, family finances. Let's just talk a little bit about the family thing real quick. Cause you mentioned earlier in this podcast, I did pick up on this, but like the being torn thing, like I can be unmotivated to work out, but dude, it's going to happen. I already know I have to do it. I don't have a choice. The biggest thing is hard for me is like to stop being a workaholic and start and stop being so, I don't know what the right word is, but I am, I'm aggressive towards my goals and you know, being that ambitious or whatever you want to call it, you got to stop and make time for the family. That is arguably my hardest. Like that's my, that's my kryptonite is like literally balancing family. I don't want to neglect them. Um, What's your secret sauce, man? How are you making that a priority? 
Man, I don't know. Uh, The funny thing is, like I said, never met my dad, never felt like it has affected me negatively in my life. Um, But when I send them like, but it definitely has made me hypersensitive to like how I show up as a dad. So I, uh, I mean, that's number one priority to me. Like as much as I love being, you know, a coach and a, you know, a mentor and, uh, you know, an elk hunter and the rest of it, it's like number one goal is like leading by example, not telling them what to do or how to do or not, you know, like what to do, but showing them what to do and not necessarily exactly what to do, but like, just find what you love and just chase it. Like, no matter what, like who cares about the money, like just be happy. Uh, we're only, if we get one ride, you know, and you can argue about what happens after, but like, just live life to the fullest. And that's just what I do. So when I'm with my kids, like, and you know, this is partially, you know, this is always funny. Like, I think my whole fitness journey has kind of been a little bit self-serving because it's like, I want to do this. So I'm going to learn this and then do this, but then I help other people with it. And same with my like elk hunting. Like I love elk hunting, but my kids, my, my one-year-old JJ, who uh, didn't plan this out. He was born on September 23rd. I actually missed his first birthday this year in the elk woods, um, which obviously he won't remember. And I just, uh, one day, every single one of those birthdays will be on the mountain. So I'm like, you know, I know it'll eventually be awesome, but right now I'm just like, ugh. but um, he loves it, man. Like, you know, some people will put a, iPad in front of their kids, which, you know, teach their own, but that's not my jam. But if we're sitting downstairs and we're watching TV, like we're literally like, he's watching elk spar. Like it's like, and he just looks points at it and looks and like, it's the funniest thing ever. My kid's first word out, outside of dad and mom was, was, uh, was deer. And so, so I just, you know, get him interested in what I, what I'm doing, uh, but also including the whole entire family, but just being present. That's my biggest thing. Like I, it's hard for everybody nowadays um, but just getting rid of the phone and like getting on the floor, especially my kids are three and one. Like I'm not sitting on the couch by my kids. I'm not sitting outside on a chair while they play. Like I'm on the ground in the weeds with them. Um, and uh, and that's just like how I like how I am a parent, you know, I'm like, you know, I my a lot a lot of what we do, even like strength and conditioning class, we start every class with like down regulatory breath work. And so my kids, like my, like sometimes my, it's so funny. My wife probably hates it, but she'll be getting, you know, a little bit fired up about something. And my three-year-old goes, three-year-old says, mom, take a deep breath. And she's just like, you can tell my wife's like, she's right, but it's not helping right now. Uh, so just super funny. Um, but just realizing like, no matter what you're doing, good, bad, or in between, like, it doesn't matter what you tell them to do. They're doing what you're doing. Uh, and so that like keeps me like on my toes all the time so dang so true um your the spiritual side the 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 finance side little a little blend of the questions but like yeah i was born born and raised uh you know lutheran christian uh definitely uh it's i'm always never wavered from a spiritual standpoint definitely through like mid to late 20s was like what does that look like for me um but the one thing, man, is I listened to Marlon's podcast view and I resonated so extremely much with what he was saying. Uh, like, especially I've always wanted to go solo. And that's the big reason I went back to that spot this time by myself. And that was like, I mean, I just can't even put into words like what that does for my soul and my spirituality and my relationship with God um, is just outrageous, man. Like, I mean, I know some people feel like they have to go sit in that pew and I'm not nothing against that but I'm all about finding what is your church and the mountains are mine for sure. Um, and it just helps me connect. How do we afford to go elk hunting when we live so far away? You don't live out West. Like I do. You didn't, you know, weren't born elk hunting. Like uh, what are some best practices financially speaking to make this affordable and not a burden on your family? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is obviously like 
you got to trim the fat, you know, like if you, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it. Like I don't, you know, like a lot of people, I'm 34 years old. Uh, I think most, you know, maybe not you, uh, cause you know, you're d- built different, but like most people, my age have a house that they probably that are, that they over, like they don't need as far as size and money wise, they've got cars, they've got, they've got, whether it's a motorcycle or a side-by-side or a, or a camper, you name the, the payment they have. I don't have any of that stuff. I've got a truck. I've got a car. Uh, we still rent because we're so picky on what we want to buy or build. And my wife's a mortgage lender. Um, so we are like, we're successful people, but we, um, but the big thing is like, we just don't have toys, you know, and we don't, we're not chasing things. We are chasing experiences. And that's my biggest thing with elk hunting is it's not about a thing. Now, you know, as well as I do in elk hunting to do the thing, to do the experience, you need some things. So you accumulate things along the way. Um, but it's not about that. It's about the experience for me. And my, and the greatest thing is like my greatest superpower really is my wife. Like I haven't given her any props on this podcast, but she's fueled everything. Like I wouldn't be a trainer anymore if it wasn't for her. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the father that I am. I would not be elk hunting. Like she's the one that's like taking the kids for seven days by herself. And we don't have a lot of help uh, by herself for seven days. And like, the cool thing is, is when I get back, like, you know, first couple of years I went, she was like with the kids, she's like overwhelmed. And this year I got back and she goes, I just realized how awesome I am. And I'm like, you are awesome. Like I couldn't do what she does. Like she, you know, she exclusively breastfeeds her one-year-old and she's like, when I'm gone, they do more things. Like, I'm like, how the heck? So it's like, my wife is like my, like my everything in a lot of areas. Like I'm, I'm not who I am today without, without her. I can feel that. And I, yeah, it makes me a little teary eyed actually. That's really cool to hear a man brag about his wife. Guys, if you want to get brownie points, brag about your wife in front of her. Uh, which I hope your wife gets to hear this because that is really, really true. Um, and I feel the exact same way. I My wife literally runs the show. I am nothing without her. So that's so cool to hear. Um, and I think you're right. Trim the fat. Make it a priority. And um, you know what? You don't need that much gear to elk hunt. You don't need that cool of an elk tag. If you are truly seeking an experience and you're ready to give it effort, I think it's that's all you need, man. Keep it simple. And I think even me, like I, you know, back to kind of a little bit reflecting on Marlon in your podcast is like the experience, like I am itching to, to get one down, but at the same time, like, I know that like the five years, like the year six this year, like how much sweeter it's going to be than if I arrowed one the first day of my first hunt uh, off the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it is going to be so stinking. Like, I cannot wait for that moment. Like, I, I mean, I say I cannot wait, but I'm just excited for that. Like, I know that that's like going to be a very awesome time. And it's going to be just that time where it's just like very like, you know, validating, but also just like, so you put all this work into a goal and now you've got it done. Um, I'm super excited for that. Uh, the, yeah, just so, so jacked up about that. That's cool. All right. Finally, speaking of spending money, <clears throat> where you don't need to, I would say don't sign up for my camp if you have to put on a credit card. Like my camp is expensive, but it's not because I'm just raking it. I have expenses to get all those badasses there and put them up, get, keep them fed. Joel Turner, Dirk Durham, Livesey, all those studs. So it is what it is. I charge what I charge. I can tell you it's not in my business model. It's not like everything depends upon an elk shaped camp. It's actually the best thing we do, though. I really believe that. But if you can't afford it and you want to make an investment, I would highly encourage you, especially because the Wisconsin, you want to talk about built different. I think Wisconsin people are built different, man. I'm, that's why I handpicked to go back to that state. I, I, something about you guys. 
And I would even, I don't know Michigan people, but I knew the Minnesota people. I kind of feel the same way. But anyways, takeaways for you. I want to end on like, dude, sell people my camp. I don't want to sell them. You sell them. What were your takeaways? Yeah. So especially being a fitness coach and like just really into personal development. uh, First of all, if I'm spending three days at a personal development, like getaway, essentially, right? Like this is actually good value. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like if you're going to just a personal development camp or like, you know, we can get away, you're going to spend more than you're spending on your camp, even if you wait till January 1st and get the late prices. Uh, so it's like, it's like the going rate for that. And that's the biggest thing I would say is like, yeah, do you learn about elk hunting? Yes. Uh, but you learn about a lot of stuff. And a lot of it, like even, you know, like even like the backcountry first day, like yes, elk hunting, but also you got kids because that stuff's important. Um, you know, like there's a lot of things that can go wrong in a lot of areas, but like we talk about the finance and then all the people you meet, like, you know, like if I didn't go to that camp and I see you and I say, Oh, if I didn't go to that camp, I probably like, you probably don't give me any information or even tell me you shot a bull. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so just like it's connections. Um, but it's personal development. And that's what, I mean, even elk hunting for me, like people are like, why are you so obsessed? Like it's personal development. It's pushing me outside of my comfort zone and your camps help. Um, for guys like me, it helps just make it like, so you can kind of see the forest, you know, the forest behind the trees, if that makes any sense, you know, like, you don't, you're not just, Oh my God, like there's so many things to, to go, where do I even start? You know what I mean? Like, but you got, and what I like about what you do, cause I've done, you know, I've done the elk one oh one like the online course and I love what Corey does and Randy does, but it's their point of views What I love about like the elk collective and your, and your camps is that it's like, you say how you do it. Livesey is uh, way different than you and everybody hunts so much different. Like, you know what I mean? And they're all like, so you can kind of pick and choose your thing. So on top of the camp, I mean, the elk collective, man, like if in my, in my opinion, like as far as elk or hunting partners go, that's like, that's a prereq. Like if you haven't gone through that, then I don't want you to even talk to me about it. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's the biggest thing. Personal development. Don't think of it as like an a hunting expense is like you're going to come back a better father, a better employee or business owner and a better, uh, you know, better husband in person. I mean, that's just, you know, the end. Mic drop. Hey, so Jason, um, do me a favor, kill a bull in 2023 with your bow. And it wouldn't even hurt my feelings if you were solo when you did it. And if uh, you have my number. I was going to say, if I'm solo over there, I'm definitely right right now. If, If I'm within whatever the parameters are, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I got to pay you back, bro. And I hope it's even further than I killed that other one. And I'm, let's go suffer together. And uh, I think that's a possibility, man. So if you stay on your grind and uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with us, guys. Um, where can people find you? I don't know if you have an, a social media or anything, but where can people? In social media is definitely not my thing, uh, but uh, just at Jason Wiesner on, uh, on Instagram, I definitely post on there some hunting some fitness, some family. It's more of just a personal page. Um, and then uh, maybe more to come there as well. But uh, just just right now, that's what it is. Okay, well, if more does come, let me know. I want to help you and I appreciate you. You got my number, man. Maybe I'll see you this time in 2022 or 2023. I'm not sure yet, but I uh, hope to see you and uh, rub elbows with you. I know uh, we're going to try to come to the elk camp in, in down in Wisconsin. Like I know my brother probably will be there for sure. Um, but I'm going to try to make it down again. Cause like I said, I, I valued it. It's a lot of fun and, uh, it's close. Well, at the very least come get a workout with me, man. And, uh, kick my butt. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. This is Jason. This is the dude that, uh, I'm super thankful for. And I thought today's podcast 
I don't know. There's so many good things in there. I appreciate you, Jason. Guys, separation is in the preparation. Believe it. We'll catch you on the next one. Elk Shape Camps 2023. What goes on at Elk Shape Camp? A lot of stuff. But basically, I can distill it down to this. We're going to sniff out your weaknesses, write you up a blueprint to tackle them head on, and make sure that you're consistently getting into elk. You're consistently training and eating clean year-round. You're disciplined and dialed at home, at your job or employment, and that you're making disciplined decisions that are going to lead to more success in life and in the mountains. Phoenix, Arizona, January 20th through the 22nd at Wilderness Athlete HQ, March 3rd through the 5th in Stonewall, Texas, right next to Numa HQ, Julian Ranch, California, March 31st through April 2nd. This is in SoCal right outside of San Diego. Plus, we are going to do our inaugural women's only elk-shaped camp on March 30th. Gals, you are invited. It's a women's only event on the 30th, and then you'll jump right into the rest of the camp. We also have couple discounts. Make sure to shoot us an email if you want to know about that. Vortex Edge in Wisconsin, April 14th through the 16th. We came here last year. It's such an amazing facility. It's so easy to put on a camp there. We can't wait to meet more Wisconsin or Midwest folks. And last but not least is a two-day intensive camp for elite Onyx members only in Green Acres, Washington, June 17th through the 18th. Early bird prices go until October 31st. Regular prices kick in November 1st and late registration starts January 1st, 2023. We hope to meet you at an elk shape camp near you-ish. And we have military discounts regardless if you're currently serving or have served in the past. Email us to inquire within.